You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hey, good morning. God is good. All the time. Sounds like while, during worship I was a part of the worship team because my mic was on the whole time, apparently. Listen, I am excited to uh, speak to you this morning. Uh, at the beginning of the year, it's always a powerful time uh, to go back to the beginning, to go back to the foundations, to go back to that which is important. Because if you're anything like me, you're the kind of person that gets going along and you sort of get your eye off the ball, you kind of forget. And every once in a while, you have to, you have to say, what, 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 what is this all about? What am I doing? Why am I in church? What's going on? How do, how do I make sure that I'm focused on the right things? And this series that we're going to begin this morning, Firm Foundation, is really all about that. Uh, and, and so I'm excited to launch the year with you by looking uh, at what our foundation is a, a, as a church. Uh, before I do that, um, let me just do um, two things with you. One, I just want to encourage you at the beginning of the year, as I did last year, I'm sorry, last week at the beginning of the year, is that this is a great time for you to build into your life a daily habit of intaking, of eating God's Word. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, everybody's making resolutions, right? We're going we're to grow, we're going to change, we're going to get back in the gym, we're going to get in shape, right? If you're trying to get in the gym right now, it's super crowded, all of the, all the chair, all the, all the, our bikes are taken and all the, the treadmills are taken and everybody's mad because they can't find any space. Uh, this is the time when we're all sort of re-upping our commitment to grow in the right ways. Uh, and so I want to challenge you if you haven't or if you don't have a daily habit of eating God's Word, I want to challenge you, this could be the year where that can change. Uh, because just like a diet for you, you know, diets don't happen by accident. Actually, if you diet by accident, uh, that's pretty much what you got, right? I mean, that, that's where, why you are where you are if you're struggling uh, in your diet. Uh, to have a healthy diet requires intentionality. You got to count calories. You got to plan. You got to have a plan. And so it's the same thing with God's Word. If we're going to eat God's Word, we're going to intake that which is healthy, life-changing, and good for us, and will build us spiritually, we have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy. We have to actually intentionally do it day after day after day. One of the ways that you can do that is by starting a reading plan. Uh, and uh, version. I've talked about it before, it's the Bible app, uh, it's on your phone, iPhone, and Android. If you don't have version on your phone, I encourage you to download it. It's a free download. Uh, it's got so many different translations, all the languages, all the translations. It's an incredibly powerful tool for feeding on God's Word. Uh, I, I mean, we look at our phone for everything else. Please put something good on your phone, uh, and, and this certainly will do that. I have actually created, because version added this, a way for you to join our church version. I put a QR code up here uh, on the screen. If you take your phone, if you didn't do it last week, you can do it now, and turn your camera on and point it at that QR code uh, and tap the link. It'll take you, it'll open up version, and you can join our church. The reason I want you to do that is because I've put there a recommended reading plan for you that will tell you, walk you through how to read the Bible, I'm sorry, how to read the New Testament in 40 days. Uh, it's very doable. It'll take you about 15 to 20 minutes a day, you know, longer or shorter, depending on uh, how quickly you read. But if you will just begin to do that every day, it will strengthen you spiritually. You'll find as you begin to wash your mind with the Word of God, it will begin to change your thinking. You'll start to encounter God's life 
uh, every single day as you feed yourself the right kind of spiritual food. So this is a great way uh, to do that. If you miss a day, just, just start the next day. Just keep going. Don't, don't give up. Keep going back and training yourself over and over again to build a habit that will grow you uh, spiritually. So I want to encourage you to do that in this next year. This morning, I had a friend that texted me, uh, and he just sent me an, an encouraging message about the services this morning. And, and uh, what came to my mind, even as he encouraged me, was, was a verse uh, out of Psalms. And I can't get the verse out of my spirit, and I believe it's for you, for us as a church this morning. I, I believe that this morning that there is, in fact, a victory that is present here today uh, for you. Uh, that there's a spirit of overcoming, there's a spirit of breakthrough, uh, there's a spirit that, that says today that the God is actually wanting to partner with you, and he's going to help you overcome the challenges that you're facing. Now that requires, that's a nice word for me to say, but it requires you to reach out and grab a hold of it, okay? Uh, and, and so I want to encourage you this morning, but I want to give you an opportunity also to respond. I, I want to give you an opportunity to, to say, yeah, that's for me. I want that this morning. And so this morning, I, I believe that there's probably people here that you're facing, for example, financial challenge. Uh, maybe there's a job situation or a work situation. Uh, you're in financial crisis. Maybe it's because of your own mistakes. Maybe it's because of something that's happened unexpected, a business felt. I, I don't know what it is, but you are struggling financially right now. And I just sense this morning, in particular for finances, that there is, in fact, a faith this morning that's available for you to, be, to overcome that. And I want to encourage you that God is on your side and he is working on your behalf. And this year is going to be a year of change for you. It's going to be a year of reversal of fortunes. It's going to be a year of return. Uh, that which the worm has eaten, the God's going to restore back to you. If that might be the case for you in terms of relationships this morning, you might come in this morning and you're there's something that's blown up in your marriage or blown up in the relationship with your kids. There, there's blown up in a, in a good uh, friendship uh, and you're just going, man, I, I feel at the bottom today. And I want to tell you today, the Lord is on your side for healing, for restoration, and for repair of relationships. So this is the verse that, that, that came to me. It's very simple. It's Psalms chapter 60. You can write it down. You can open up there if you want. I don't think it's on the screen. Psalm 60 verse 12. And it says this, so listen, it says, with God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Listen, the Lord is on your side. He's the one that breaks the, the power of the enemy. He's the one that closes the mouth of, of the lion that prowls here and there to destroy and to devour. He's the one that has overcome the evil one. He's the one that is actually working on your behalf. And so this morning you might be facing that situation, that challenge, and you're going, I'm under it this morning. I want to tell you today, you reach out for God because it is God with him we will do valiantly. It is he who will trample our enemies. It's he that's going to make a way. It's he that's going to open the door. It's he that's going to provide where it seems there's no provision, where I don't know how have the answer. I don't know what to do, but God is the one who has the answer for you. And so if you need that today, I just would like to stand, you, have you stand to your feet because I want to pray for you. If you're feeling like, man, I'm under it financially. 
and you're like, this is for me. I just want you, as a sign of faith, you're just saying, I'm grabbing a hold of that, uh, that, that I need a breakthrough, and I'm going to trust the God. Stand to your feet, and I'm going to pray for you. If that's for you relationally, if there's a place that you're under relationally, or you just know, maybe I didn't mention, maybe it's not one of those two areas, but you're saying, God, I am reaching out for you this morning because I'm trusting that through you, Lord, we can overcome. Through you, God, we can see the hand of the enemy crushed and broken. And so like right now, God, for every person that's standing, we trust you. We thank you that your word says, through our God, we will do valiantly. You are the one who has trump, trampled down the enemy. You are the one that has crushed the head of the evil one. And so, Lord, for my brothers and sisters today, we declare victory in the name of Jesus. We declare that this is a year of change. We declare that as we reach out to you and grab a hold of the hem of your garment, God, that there is healing, there is life, there is restoration, there is breakthrough today. Where there is financial need, Lord, we pray for breakthrough. Where there is debt, we pray that there would be a spirit of overcoming, that there would be a determination to move forward in their life and in their finances. Where relationships have been broken, we pray for the balm of Gilead, the healing of the master to come and to bring restoration in the name of Jesus, for marriages to be restored, for there to be a new day for your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Go ahead and take your seats. I do want to talk to you this morning about a firm foundation uh, and, uh, and just remind you what our, f- our foundation is as a church. The beginning of, of the year is always a good time uh, to do this, so we tend to do it at, at Koinonia Churches, just to take some time to refresh ourselves in terms of what our vision and our values are at, as a church family. Because we're not just here just getting together just to feel good. I mean, I love to worship together. I love to get excited. I love to give each other high fives. I love to sing kumbaya. I love to get in circles. I love to do all those things. But the reality is, is that we are here on mission and on purpose, that God has put the church in the earth to get some things done, that the church is a vehicle for the kingdom of God to impact the world, to impact the community. See, and Kings County needs churches who are alive, who are on fire, who are moving in alignment and in the purposes of God. But if we're not careful, we forget and we sort of get off center because there's something that happens inside of us as human beings that we get comfortable, we kind of get in the routine, and before you know it, we, we, we start sort of kind of doing the thing, but we're not actually doing the thing anymore. And churches are notorious for this, right? Churches are notorious for, for getting together, we get inside these four walls, and we start to act as if we are, we are hiding from the world and we're enjoying each other's company. But the reality is, is that we are called to go out into the world. The church is a launching pad. The church is actually designed to go out and to impact the community and to change the world. But that doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we continue to bring ourselves back to focus on the foundation that God has given us as a church. Cornelia Church doesn't exist by accident right? Koinonia Church is not just, just spring up. God has a plan for this church. He has a plan for your life. And as a part of this church family, there's something that he has for us to do together. And we together, as a part of this community, as a part of this church, have a purpose to impact the world and impact our community. There's a purpose to change your family. There's a purpose to change relationships. There's a purpose to impact the community and the economics and the business of this place and of Kings County. And God has called us to do that. So we've got to remember what it is that we're about. 
so that at the beginning of 2023, we walk in with purpose, that we say, that's right, that's what I'm about. I'm, I'm on the firm foundation, and I'm on the right launching pad. So the, this morning, the message that I'm, I'm going to share with you, I, I just simply entitled it 321 Ignition. 321 Ignition, because I want you to think about the church, this church, Koinonia Church, uh, as, as a rocket ship, right? Just as, as we've seen many times when NASA's preparing to send a rocket up to outer space or SpaceX's or whoever's doing it, and they take that rocket ship out onto the launching pad and they wheel it out there and, and, and they're about to do the countdown. And think about all the preparation that has gone into getting that rocket into place, all the, the hundreds of thousands of man hours and all the work that has been done. And we know it's, we, we know it's critical and it's, and it's vital that all of those things come together so that the rocket ship can then explode off of the launching pad and be driven into space. It requires a lot of time, a lot of resources. You've got to have the right fuel. You've got to pilot it correctly because if, you, if anything along the way goes out of whack, then it doesn't work right? You got to scrub the launch or the ship ends up exploded in the sky and it doesn't make it into orbit, whatever. And so it requires uh, for all of the effort, all of the work to go in on the front end. And the church is the same way. You and I are in the same way. There has to be adequate preparation for us. We got to have enough fuel on the launching pad. We got to know where we're established. We got to make sure that, that we have done the groundwork so that we can explode into, uh, into our community and into our world and actually be effective in the way that God has, uh, has, has given us. I, I wrote this down. If the rocket ship is not fueled, directed, and piloted, we end up orbiting around the wrong things. We end up off course. We end up crashing, right? It requires a lot of work. And, and that's the thing that happens, as I mentioned with churches, is so many times we can be headed in the right direction and then we get lazy or we get distracted and we forget what it's about. And before you know it, we end up orbiting around things that maybe are nice things, but they're not the purposes of God. And I know this morning, some of you are here this morning, and you know what I'm talking about because in your heart, God has put a plan and a purpose and he's put ministries in you, and he's put vision in you, and you're not on course. You're just slightly off course. You're orbiting around some things in your life that are not the right things. They're not, the, they're not bad things necessarily, but they're not God things, and you know it. You know that you've settled for something less than what God has for you, and I just want to encourage you today, it's time to get back in the right orbit. It's time to get back on the right center so that we can be focused on the things of God. And so what I want to do with you today uh, is to look with you at our vision statement. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at our vision statement as a church, and we're going to look at our, our values, the five values that we have. And you may have heard this before because we tend to preach a message like this at the beginning of every year. Uh, the reason I do this is because it's recentering. We're refocusing. We're, we are seeking to refuel the rocket and put us on course, remind you that you're here on purpose, not by accident. And so I put in uh, probably every third chair, there's a card like this that has uh, our, our mission statement and it has our, our value statement. If you grab one of those, if, and also if you want to, there, these, this is this morning, I think on social media, for those of you that do Instagram and Facebook, you can also download this uh, statement and these values uh, as a screenshot. You can put it on the screensaver of your phone if you want, uh, make it a background so that you can remember what this is. Because I want you to, over these next couple of weeks, really dig in to what God has called Koinonia Church to be. If this is your home, if Koinonia Church is, is your family, then these are the things that we're about. 
This is the purpose that God has for us to do within this community. Now, the, the statement that we have these days uh, is simply this, igniting, is it up here on the screen? Igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Would you read that with me? Would you say it with me in a loud voice? Igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Now, we, we simply have used that as uh, a catchy way of saying what we're about, right? This, this is in alignment with Scripture, but it doesn't come straight from Scripture, right? This, this is not God-breathed. This is the result of a number of leaders, pastors, and staff coming together a couple of years ago, and because we know that every few years, every decade or two, we kind of have to refresh our statement uh, about what we're about as a church, not because what we're doing is changing, not because what we're about changes, but because the way that we communicate it has to be fresh and new for us to capture our hearts. And my desire would be is that when someone asks you, what is that, what is Koinonia, what is that church about that you go to, that you would say, hey, we're igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. You know, if, if you're in the community and, and, and somebody says to you, oh, you go to church, you know, what's the story with your church? You say, well, we're the kind of church, we're igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. And I, I want to get it inside of you this morning uh, so that it's not just a nice statement that is repeated, but that it actually means something to you. And so if you'll allow me over the next few minutes, what I want to do is, is I want to preach this statement into you. And I kind of want to take it word by word. Uh, and I, and I want to start to hopefully light a fire inside of you and remind you of what God has called you to be. I believe God, if you're here, God has planted you here in this church. Then you are here not by accident, but on purpose. God puts people in a church on purpose. He plants them in a church and he has work for them to do. And this is part of it. This is the rallying cry that we use. On, on Sunday morning before service at 8.30, everybody that's serving uh, on that Sunday gathers right here at the front for a small devotional. At the end of that time, we end uh, that time with a little rally cry, this chant, igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. The reason we do that is because it's a reminder that we're here on purpose. So let me talk to you about that. For the first word is igniting. If you want to follow along your notes, uh, we do have notes on the Church Center app, as always, and you can get them there if you just go down uh, to the More tab and then, and then hit Sermon Outlines. You'll see it this morning. You can write this down uh, in your notes, or you have that little card in front of you, hopefully. So let's talk about igniting. Would you just say igniting? Igniting. igniting. The first word in our statement refers to, uh, it's a word about fire. And the Spirit of God throughout all of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, is frequently referred to as a spirit of fire. And you see, you remember Moses, when God appeared to Moses in, in the burning bush, he appeared to him as a flame. And it says there in the desert, Moses stopped, he looked, and there was a bush that was burning, and it was not being consumed. There was something different about that fire. And over and over again, uh, we see in the Scripture that the Spirit of God is described as a fire. Uh, we see that um, when God told Moses to set up the tabernacle for worship, he told him that there was going to be an altar where they were going to offer sacrifices to the living God. And the flame on that altar was never to go out. It was to be the eternal flame. Because that flame was symbolic of the Spirit of God the, God, the Spirit that never stops, the Spirit that is continual forever, and the Spirit that also consumes everything that needs to be burned up. 
Uh, and, and in the New Testament, we see, of course, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls on the early church, he falls in tongues of fire. It says tongues of fire appear over their heads as the Holy Spirit began to consume them, begin to fill them. This is what uh, uh, the book of Psalms says in 69 verse 9. This is the verse that actually the disciples of Jesus remembered on that day when Jesus was in the temple and he drove out all the money lenders. Remember when he turned the tables over and he pulled out the whip and he began to drive out those guys? This is what the disciples remembered, this verse. Passion for your house has consumed me. Jesus was so passionate that it, the, the description uh, uh, that the, the disciples had to use in that moment was that he, he wasn't just passionate, it was, a, it was something that was consuming him. He was on fire for the things of God. He was on fire for the house of God. And, and we began this statement with igniting because you have to be on fire in order to light a fire. Our, our desire is that people would in fact know Jesus Christ. Our, our, our desire is that people would be on fire for the things of God. But in order for that to happen, in order for you to be able to ignite anyone, you first have to be on fire. And the reality is, is that if you follow Jesus Christ, the natural, the normal state of a Christian is to be on fire. The normal state of a Christian is to be filled with the Spirit of God and be consumed by the things of God. To be so passionate that, that, that there's something that, is, that characterizes your very, very being, that, that you can't help but actually ignite others because the fire that you carry is so hot. But it's so critical for us because very often we, we stop being on fire. We stop being passionate. We stop being filled with the Spirit of God. We remember once upon a time I was really all about it, but life begins to happen and we just kind of become ho-hum about our spiritual walk with God. We become, ah, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's something that I do and it's a part of my life and I worship God, but we're not on fire anymore. And, and you know what it's like when people are on fire. There's, some, there's something different about them. They're, they're, so, they're so ablaze. You're like, wow, I, I, what's up with them? And, and I've, I've recognized and realized that your and my responsibility is the fire that we carry inside of our heart. That we, that I'm not responsible for your fire. The church is not responsible for your fire. You're responsible for the fire that you carry. You're responsible to be on fire for the purposes of God. And if you're not feeling on fire today, or maybe the, you kind of have sort of become less passionate about the things of God, then it's time for you to say, hey, I, I got to change some things in my life because I'm called to be a purpose. I'm called to be a person who can ignite others. I'm called to be a person who can actually set others ablaze with the fire of God. What, I have um, some flame throwers at home. I really, I thought about bringing them to service and, and demonstrating the different sizes of flamethrowers that I have. Uh, just so that you know, I don't actually do everything that I think about. Um, uh, but, but I do, I, ha I have different flamethrowers. I'm, I'm a fire bug, I love to light fires. And so one of the things that we do at our house is that we have a fire pit in the backyard. Uh, and, and I will pile as much wood as I can on, on that thing, and I will get my flamethrower, uh, and I will use it to light the fire. 
And what I've learned is that that, that, that thing is am amazing. The flame coming out of that thing burns hot. I mean, I don't know what the degrees are, but it, it'll burn you real fast. Uh, but I've learned that, uh, that if I'm going to light the fire, particularly if it's a big fire or if the wood is not really dry and ready, that it, it, it takes more than just a few seconds of that flame for the fuel to, to really begin to ignite. That, that I have to, I mean, I can have it there 10 seconds or 20 seconds, and if I pull the flame away, it, it, it doesn't actually start the fire. It requires for me to actually put that that, that flame on the wood for a long enough time for it to actually ignite the fuel. And sometimes it requires more time than I think. I just kind of have to stand there. And I mean, it's going. And I'm blowing that flame in there. But as the longer that I put the flame there, the more readily the fuel begins to catch on fire. And before you know it, I've got a fire that's blazing. And I love fires that are blazing because I got them six, eight feet tall. I mean, they're going. It's beautiful. You can't even get close to it. There's, there's really ridiculous, right? I mean, you have to move, move backwards. But what I've learned is that you have to be close enough to the source of the flame for long enough in order for you to catch on fire. And the reality is that as followers of Christ, very often we don't stay close enough to the flame of God in order for us to, be, to, to actually be on fire. What, what we do is we come to church and we get a little bit of, of excitement, a little bit of warmth. We come into God's presence and, and we worship and we sort of get a little bit of flame. Oh, that's nice. We get the tingly up our spine. Oh, that's great. And then we go on for the rest of the week and we act as if God doesn't even exist. We, we, we just sort of do our, the rest of our week without God's help. Not, we, don't, we don't tend to the fire of our heart, of our spiritual flame at all. And we forget and we come back next week and we just get just a little bit of warmth. If you want to be on fire, it's going to require more of you. It's going to require you to actually make a decision to stand close enough to the flame until you actually are lit on fire until you are passionate about the things of God, until there's something that's different about you. That's the kind of people that ignite contagious faith. The kind of people that have decided, I'm not feeling it today, God, but you know what? I'm going to get back into your word. I'm going to get back into your presence. I'm going to get back into worship because even though I'm not feeling it right now, I know how to get to the place where I'm feeling it. I know how to get on fire. I'm going to get close to the fire. And so the people of God have to decide. You got to decide. I'm, I'm going to get on fire, man. And, 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 and I, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pressing in and I'm going to keep getting close and I'm going to keep doing it until I actually experience it in my life. God is looking for people who are willing to do the work to set their life on fire. People that are on fire change the world. People that are on fire change their family. They change their community. There's something different about them. They can't help but ignite those that are around them. So the first word is igniting. Would you say igniting one more time? Igniting. igniting. The second word is contagious. Contagious. Would you say contagious? contagious? Matthew 28, 19 says this, therefore go and make disciples. Our faith following Christ comes with a responsibility comes with a charge that Jesus has told us, actually, we are supposed to reproduce. We're supposed to actually be contagious enough to where our faith actually spreads to others. Now, my staff really didn't like me talking about contagious over the last couple of years because of COVID and everything else, and it's just kind of icky sounding. But the reality is, is that we're very familiar with what contagious is these days, right? If you're going to be contagious, if, if that means you're going to have to have, you, you, well, all of, many of you have been sick over the last couple of weeks. 
you know what, it, what, what contagious means. You got close enough to someone else that had enough virus inside of them that they either sneezed, breathed, puked, something snotted on you, and it got onto you, and then it got inside of you, and it took over your body, and before you know it, you have been contagioned. You have caught the thing that they had. Whether or not you wanted to catch it, whether or not that was your intention, you were close enough to them that it got on you, right? And then it got in you, and it changed you from the inside out. Then we are called to be the kind of people that carry enough of the Holy Spirit inside of us that when people get around us, they can't help but be influenced and changed by that which we carry, right? There's got to be enough inside of us. And the reality is, is oftentimes there's just not enough inside of us. There's just not enough of the word. There's not enough passion. There's not enough of the things of God so that when we're around other people, here's, here's the great thing is if we, or the question for you is when you're around your friends who are not followers of Christ, do they notice anything about you? Do, do they sense, oh, maybe I need to change some things about my life, or, or I'm not so sure, maybe I shouldn't bring up that subject, or, you know, I, there's something that you carry inside of you that should be such that, that it would actually, maybe, some people should be nervous about being around you. If you're sick, I ain't coming to your house. I mean, you could call me, I'll pray for you on the phone right? Why? Because I, I know how contagions work. I know how viruses work. And so I'm, I'm going to actually stay away from you if you're sick because I don't want you, your stuff to get on me, right? So the people of God should be the kind of people that when we get around with our friends who are not followers of Christ, it should make them a little nervous. Oh no, they might, they might rub off on me a little bit. Right? I, I might start to love Jesus. I, I might be one of those Jesus freaks pretty soon. You know, I mean, before you know it, I'm going to be going to church. I'm going to be singing all those silly songs that they sing and sounding weird. And, you know, I may, may speak in that language. That they, I mean, whatever it is, right, there should be something that should make them a little bit nervous. Now, I'm not talking about being a religious kind of person that makes them feel condemned or guilty. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being some kind of weird religious freak where people can't feel like, uh, like they, they can be themselves around you, right? And sometimes, they'll, oh, I, I can't say those words because it's going to offend you. No, 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 stop, stop that garbage. What I'm talking about is because that's condemnation and that's guilt. So you don't need to be a person of condemnation or guilt. What I'm talking about is when you're around your friends and neighbors who don't, know, who don't follow Jesus, you're so full of the Spirit of God and the love of God that they go, man, I, I need some of that. That they start thinking, wow, may, may, God, God can love me. He can do something with my life. That there, there's something that's inside of you that, that's actually attractive to me. And, and before you know it, they have caught something from you and they can't help it. And suddenly they find, well, maybe, maybe I should think about the things. Of God. Maybe I should visit church with you. Maybe, I mean, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Why? Because you're contagious. You're contagious. The question is, are, are, are you contagious? I'm not talking about being cool. I'm not talking about being hip. I'm not talking about a certain style. I'm talking about being so full of the things of God and the kingdom of God that it actually begins to affect other people around you. You know how it is. Some people, when you get around them, they're so excited about whatever they're in. Before you know it, you find out that you're excited about that thing and you don't like, I don't even understand. Why am I excited? Like, well, you're so about that thing. You're so excited about that thing. I'm suddenly convinced, oh, I need to be into that thing too, right? There's something that we've got to have inside of us about our faith 
That should, and it's not about a product. We're not trying to sell somebody something. We're not trying to get money from, we're trying to actually share with them the fact that the king of the universe, the king of kings, is, wants to have a relationship with them that wants to actually change things in their life and move them from one place into a better place. Boy, that's, that's the greatest product there is in the world. That's the greatest thing going. And so many times we're just so kind of unexcited and uncontagious. And people could be around us all day long and they're just going to be the same stinking kind of people because we have not, we don't have enough of the King of Kings inside of us. Oh God, make us contagious. Would you change something inside of us, Lord? Would you, would you begin to affect us so, so that we're full of the things, Lord, of God, that we're full of that which you are concerned about? The third word is faith. Would you say faith? faith. We're igniting contagious faith and that's important we're not trying to get people excited about a style of church we're not trying to get people excited even just about koinonia church right it's it's not it's not even about this place it's about god it's about a relationship with the king of kings uh, and, and so what we're igniting is we're igniting a faith that is contagious what is faith hebrews 11:1 1 says now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What do you hope for? Well, I have faith that tomorrow can be better than today. I, why? Because I believe in God, a God who never changes and who is always faithful. I have faith that that which seems impossible today to me is not impossible to God. I have faith that he's actually working things out. See, I, I don't believe just what, what my physical eyes can see. I, I, don't, I don't operate just based on what the world tells me, physically speaking. I operate by faith. And the people of God are to operate always by faith because faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the way that we are to walk. We are not to walk by sight. We are to walk by faith. That, is, that means to say, yeah, all the circumstances that I see with my physical eyes say it ain't going to work out. It's not going to work out on my behalf. I don't have the answer. But by faith, I know that God is always working for me and he's working through me. And he promises by his word that he's going to work out things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So even though this is my worst day today, it's never going to be my worst day because I know God is always working on my behalf. That when I can't see him, he's still working. He's working in invisible ways. He's moving things together. He's adjusting things. He's moving things forward. Do you know that by the people of, by faith, we know that God is working all things out according to his glory and he's moving his purposes in the earth today. He, he actually is taking history forward. Yes. So we can't lose, right? By faith, we are to walk. So we're igniting a faith. A contagious faith that says God is alive and he's at work and he loves the world and even though it looks bad, it's not over. Why? Because he has a plan and he has a purpose. And I, in fact, am living on purpose today by faith because even though the world tells me differently, I know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is a God who's worthy of praise and he's worthy to be served. So we're a people of faith. Faith for movement, faith for change, 
faith for blessing, faith for increase, faith for expansion, faith for better days in the future, faith for the mountains that are impossible, melting like wax in the presence of God, impossibilities shifting and moving, faith for greater things, faith for healed bodies and healed minds, faith for breakthrough in impossible situations. We just talked about it, faith for financial provision where it doesn't seem possible or it's not working out. We are people of faith for restored marriages, that, that, that thing that's far away. We are believing that God's going to call back the prodigals, the, the kids that are far away. He's actually redeeming them and restoring them. We have faith as a people of God. See, that faith is contagious. That faith is something that gets God's attention. One of the things that the scripture says is that the eyes of the Lord move all across the world, rove to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those who are faithfully disposed towards him so he can move on their behalf. That's the kind of God that we serve. Would you say faith? faith. Make us a people of faith, God. Make us a people of faith. Igniting contagious faith in the one God. I'm going to talk to you about one just for a second. Every word is important here. We, we, we said one God because we, we, we're not into just any kind of God. As, as a people of the way, as a people of the scripture, we believe in one God. That's what, that's what the scripture tells us. The people of Israel, were, were God directed them. He revealed himself to them as the God that was the one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They repeated over and over and over again because they were coming out of a culture as God took them, the people of Israel, and he began to set them apart. They were coming out of a world that believed in many gods. They were coming out of a world that believed that, that you could get to God in many different ways. Does that sound familiar to you? They were actually coming out of a system, and God was saying, that's not the way that I'm revealing myself to you. I'm telling you, and you need to understand, there is one God in heaven and earth, one creator, one Lord. He is the king, and he is supreme. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. In Ephesians, he says this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. See, we don't believe in many gods. We don't believe in many ways. And, and, and we just need to get over being embarrassed about that. We are monogamous. We are committed. There is one King of kings and Lord of lords. And the world is going to say, no, we, that, that, that is uh, intolerant. And how dare you tell us that that's not... I just want to tell you, there's one God. And he created all things. And it's written, the, Paul says it's written on every man's heart. Every, every person's heart on the planet has written on their heart that there is a creator in heaven and that he has made things a certain way. And we can tell ourselves all kinds of lies at the end of the day, but we're, we need to come back to the fact that there is only one king and one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen, I believe that many people will be in the kingdom that we're surprised by. Thank God his grace abounds. And that is a beautiful thing. But don't lie to, you, to yourself and just say anything goes. Right. 
Because that's what the culture wants to tell you. Listen, I don't want you to mix. Don't mix God with crystals and horoscopes and palm readers. Don't mix God with the spirit of the earth, with Gaia and all that. Don't mix God with, with Buddha and Krishna and somehow believe that all of us in some kind of weird mix is going to equal some kind of super spirituality. That's garbage. We believe in one God. We're igniting contagious faith in the one God. There is, in fact, one King of kings and Lord of lords who is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's one Savior. There's one King. There is one Lord. And he's looking for a people who are going to decide, I'm not going to look to the left or to the right. I'm not going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, that sounds good. See, the world is real spiritual today. Everybody's excited about how spiritual everybody is. And that's great. I like the fact that people are spiritual because it means they're open to the supernatural. But, but being open to the supernatural does not mean anything goes or that you know the right way. Just being, having like, ooh, yeah, this is spiritual. No, I mean, the reality is, is you got to understand what you believe and you got to stand on it. And, you, and because the rea- if we have nothing to offer to people, if we're just going to say, you can believe whatever you want, then what's the point? This is, this is all about, the point is that there is a way to salvation and it is through Jesus Christ. And he has died for every single person on the planet. And he says, anyone that wants to come in is welcome to come in, but you got to come in through me. And, and I have a plan for you and I have a purpose for you. And so when we are able just to say to people, listen, you could, do, you could believe whatever you want. I love you no matter what. I'm not condemning you. I'm not, I'm, I'm not speaking bad about you. I'm just saying, you're welcome to come in because God has something better for you. He's got an answer for you. He, he's got a solution for your life. He, he is, in fact, the way. And, and if you come into the way, you're going to discover there's something incredibly beautiful about living in his kingdom. And that's powerful. Don't mix it with something else. Don't, 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 don't weaken it because, you know, you, you're afraid that the culture is not going to accept you. It's time for us just to say, you know what? Listen, I, I love you, culture, but I believe that God is the way. And there's only one God. Now, now, now uh, the, this, the next word is God. Of course, we believe in, in God. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God, right? It begins with him. Uh, and, and the reason I want to say God is because I also want to say some things about the nature, the nature of God. So we believe in the one God. Now, I want you to be the kind of person that doesn't have faith just based on only your experience. I want you to be the kind of person that has both experience that is powerful in the presence of God and that you also have pushed and pressed down and asked questions of your faith to make sure that you understand that it's reasonable. And the good news about our faith is that we have thousands of years of people stomping and asking, stomping on it and asking questions, hard questions of it. And, and we actually have good reason to believe in one God. Right? I'm not, this is not just some kind of fable that's based on one verse. We actually not only have scripture, but we have reason. Thank God that God, he gave us a rational mind that we actually can look into things and study them. And one of the problems is, is that many times in our version of our faith, we have given our children only experience. And we have not backed up that experience with actual foundational, rational argumentation. So what happens is then we send them to colleges and the professors who are really smart uh, and, and are respected begin to ask questions that our kids can't answer because we haven't given them any kind of preparation other than an experience. 
I'm all for experience. Listen, I love to be in the presence of God. We are a presence people. I'm always going to go after God's presence. Listen, if God's presence doesn't show up in the service, we got a problem, right? But, it, but his presence also comes with love your God with all your mind. And so we have to understand that there is actually found, there's reason for believing in one God. Let me just give you just real quick in case you think I'm just babbling up here, an argument called the Kalam cosmological argument. It's a lot of words, a lot of K's. Kalam cosmological argument. It's a philosophical argument, but you're going to understand it because it's so basic. It's like this doesn't even seem like philosophy. This is just reason, okay? Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Now, you know that in your life, everything that you see around you had a cause, had a beginning. You had a cause. Yeah? Mom and dad came together. Some music, maybe some, something. It's a good time. Suddenly there's you. There's a cause, right? Everything in life has a cause. Everything that you know has a cause. Or you look around you and, and, and you can point to, you know, you go back and, well, that's caused by that, that's caused by that. And, and so everything that begins to exist has a cause. Secondly, the universe began to exist, right? I mean, we all kind of agree. I mean, unless you believe the universe is eternal, then we have to all agree that the universe has a cause. All the science seems to indicate the universe has a cause because when, when they look out at the stars, they can actually measure the expansion of the universe. They can actually see that the universe is continuing to expand. And so if it's expanding, that means at one point it was not expanded and it came from a beginning and there was a beginning of the universe. That's what science tells us. Now, what's amazing is that science can tell us a lot about things that we see. It can't tell us a lot about things that we can't see. And so uh, it really irritates me when I go to uh, planetariums and other places, because I, I love learning about the universe, and they talk about the expansion of the universe, but then the scientists start to tell you about the story about the beginning of the universe. And it's ridiculous because they don't have anything to say about the beginning of the universe because you can't measure it. You can't weigh it, you can't see it, and you can't reproduce it. Science can't tell you anything about what happened before the universe, because they don't have information about it. So the second thing is the universe began to exist. Thirdly, therefore, the universe has a cause. That seems really reasonable, right? It's so super basic. Everything that you ever have known has a cause. If you keep going back to the beginning of the cause, you're going to find that the universe had a cause, and that cause, if the universe has a cause, that which caused it is a personal God, an uncaused personal creator of the universe. That is an, an, a first mover, an uncaused causer. Because if you keep going back on the chain all the way back, at some point you're going to have to get back to a beginning. And when you get back to the beginning, that thing that we know is God. That's why we can believe in God. Now that's just a, a small rational argument. You can spend your whole life studying that, that argument. I just want you to know that there is reason behind our faith. And it's important for you to know that. It's important for your kids to know that. It's important for us to understand that when, when we're talking with people who have questions, that there actually are answers. You might not have the answer, but that doesn't mean the answer doesn't exist. I, I, you can certainly tell your friends, hey, I don't have the Let me study and let me get back to you next week and I'll have an answer for you. We're igniting contagious faith in the one God, and then let me just talk to you about these last two things, the one God who. The word who is important because who indicates that the God that we serve and know is a personal God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-two 32 says this, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, the kind of God that we serve is a personal God. He knew Abraham, he knew Isaac, he knew Jacob. He's a, he's a God that actually you and I can know. Not only does he have a name, but he knows your name. And that's the beautiful thing about our faith, and it's the beautiful thing about God. God is not some inanimate object. He's not some force in the universe, right? Like on Star Wars, he's not just some force that's out there, right? Now, he is in fact a force, and he is in fact energy, but he is an energy with a name and a person, right? He actually is a known God. We can know him, and he actually wants to know you and I individually. That's what's so incredible, is not only is he the God of the universe, and the entire universe is inside of him, all things that we can see, and everything that we can't see is inside of God and created by him, and not only is he God of all of that, but he's also God of the individual. He's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's your God as well, and, he, and he's come in the form of Jesus, fully man, fully God, gave himself on the cross for us to have a personal relationship with us. And if you've ever made the mistake of thinking that, it, that, that your Christianity is just a set of beliefs, this is where, really, this is, this is where you, you need to turn the page and understand that what we're talking about is a personal relationship with God himself, the Spirit of God. That if you would say to Jesus, and I think Leslie said it earlier, Jesus, would you come and would you change me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Would you talk to me? Would you know me? That's the kind of God that we serve. He's a God who, and he's a God, lastly, I'm sorry, uh, that restores. Would you say restores? Restores. He's a God that restores. That's what I love about God. He's into restoration. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, through the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God loves to take the broken, the despised. He loves to take the disregarded and the weak and take them and make them into something beautiful. Scripture says he, he takes thing, everything and makes it beautiful in, it, in its time. That he actually is in the business of taking the broken parts of your life and actually using them for his glory and converting them into something that's wonderful. Now, only God can do that. Because when I look at my life, and, I, and I've seen him do it over and over again, and I look at certain situations in my life, brokenness because of decisions that I've made or just because of things that happen, I just go, man, God, that, that is, it, that's destroyed. There's, there's nothing that I can do. How could, how could you do anything with that? And I've seen time and again, we're crying one day, and the next day we're marveling at how God took that situation that was dead, broken, impossible, and terrible, and he actually turned it into something beautiful. I go, oh, only God can do that. But that, that, that's what he does. He's a God that restores. He's a God that takes what the worm has eaten and he's restored it. He's going to restore it. He's, he's a God that, that takes the dead and brings it back to life. He's a God of life and not death. He's a God that takes bad situations and broken circumstances and bad decisions and somehow by his miraculous power works it together for your good and turns it into something beautiful. He takes mourning and gives the oil of joy Right? He takes grief and turns it into something that actually is, has this incredible silver. You go, God, how could you do that? How could you make something? It's because that's what he does. He, he restores. He's in the business of taking the things that people have thrown out and thought were dead and actually bringing them back to life. Those things and areas in your life that you have given up on, the dreams that once upon a time that you felt even God gave you or you had in your heart, 
and you, you've just sort of set them on a shelf and to the side, and you thought, man, that, that's it. It must not be for me. Maybe I misheard God, or maybe I screwed up too much, and I could never get that chance back again. I want to, I want to tell you, the God that we serve is a God who actually restores. He, he takes things and brings them back to life. He takes things off the shelf, and he dusts them off, and he says, hey, let, let, let me show you what I can do with this. You might be in a, in a place in your life where you go, man, I've, I've screwed, I screwed it up so bad <laughs> that, that, that I, don't, I don't think even God could do something with this. Well, you just put it in his hands. He's a God that restores. He, he's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. He, he's a God that continues to work on our behalf. The last word is all. Would you just say all? all. We put all here because when we're talking about restoration, sometimes I think we limit God's ability and, and we think that maybe he'll just take some things and restore them. But the reality is that the scripture says that he's actually making everything new. That's what Revelation 21.5 says. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. I'm making everything new. See, see we serve a God who's actually going to take every part of our world and renew it and restore it. We, we look at the world and we think, man, it's, it's hopeless. I mean, I think a lot of times what, we, what we're doing as Christians, we're just, we're just kind of writing the world off. But we have, we, we, we're people of faith who believe that he takes even the broken parts and he restores it and he makes it new. Makes all things new. We're igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Would you stand to your feet? Let me just pray for you. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at our values, which I, I, you know, is, is always such an incredible reminder. We'll talk about how Jesus is everything and people matter. Holy Spirit is the one that leads us. We'll talk about having authentic community and transform lives and how that, how that is the foundation that we're based upon. But, but today, I just want you to, I want to make you, encourage you to make a recommitment to being the kind of person that ignites contagious faith in the one God who restores all. And the question I want to ask you is, are, are, you, are you able to light anybody on fire? Is your faith the kind of faith that's contagious? Or, or have you gotten cold? Have you kind of gotten off course? Have you started to orbit around some other things? Do you believe in the one God? Or, or have you allowed some other things to kind of get in the way? Or, or, or you've added some things to just the, the simplicity of the one God, the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords. You, you sort of mix some other things in there. Today's the day we would come back and say, no, you're, you're, you're the one, Lord. You're my hope. You're my salvation. You're my healer. You're, you're my provider. Do, do, do you see that each one of us is part of the movement of God's Spirit on the earth today, that he's actually in the business of restoration? He's restoring our communities. He's restoring our relationships. He's restoring even businesses around us, that, that, that he's so the kind of God that, that steps in and makes everything new. God, would you plant that in, in each of our hearts? Would you just bow your head uh, this morning? We're just reaching out right now, Lord, for a, a freshness that would come into our spirit, for a renewal. You might even just put your hands in front of you, just raise them to the sky or just kind of put them in front of you like you're just receiving a gift. Lord, Lord, we, we want to be a church that's a church on fire, a church on purpose, 
a church that's moving and, and actually making a difference through your power and through your might. And you called us, Lord, to be a different kind of people. You've called us to be a people that are on fire for you, a, a people that are committed, that are set apart, a people that are living for your purposes, a people that are holy as you are holy, a, a people that, that are, have decided that we're going to walk in a different way. And so, God, would you ignite us right now? Would you ignite us, God? And, and if that's your prayer, would you just begin out loud? Just say, Lord, would you ignite me? Would you fill me once again? Maybe in your heart you see some areas where you're not passionate and you're not on fire. God, we're crying out to you this morning that you would ignite us. Where we're cold, Lord, would you warm us up? Where we're distant, God, would you bring us back? Where we have denied you or where we have closed the door to you, God, would you break through every barrier in the name of Jesus right now? Would you change us from the inside out? Would you set us ablaze once again? That holy fire that existed once upon a time, Lord, would you once again set us on fire for the things of God? Would you set us on fire for the house of God? Would you set us on fire, Lord? Would you make us a force in the earth, the sons and daughters of the most high, who walk in the purposes of God, who are filled with the Spirit of God. Lord, where we have fallen to the side, where we have given up, we once again return to you. We once again come to our first love, and we're asking Jesus, would you ignite us? Would you make us contagious? Would you once again restore our faith? Would you make us people who speak words of life and goodness? Would you make us the kind of people, Lord, that wherever we go, that others would say, there's something that they have. I want what they have, that people couldn't help but be set on fire with love for the King of kings and the Lord of lords by our faith. Lord, make Koinonia Church that kind of church. Make us that kind of people. Make us the kind of people who so love you, so are passionate for you, so are committed to you, that we're willing to let go of every other thing. Lord, remove the things from our life, even right now. Speak to our hearts about the things that we need to get rid of, things in our house and in our life and in our thoughts that need to be removed. Lord, that you would show them to us and we would say yes to you. God, remove those things from us so that we could focus on what you have. Lord, would you restore, we pray restore in our lives the things that you desire restore our love for you restore our passion for you restore our hope in you restore our faith in the name of jesus make us different make us powerful make us life givers make us world changers god let this community be impacted by a church that's aligned and based on your foundation let us be a rocket ship that goes out and explodes upon the world to make an impact lord for the kingdom of god make us a people of change lord jesus we declare in the name of jesus that wherever we go there would be presence the presence of God that would go before us, that would move powerfully in our lives and in our families. Oh God, we're crying out right now that there will be a change inside of us. Start it with us, God. We're not waiting for somebody else. We're not giving the responsibility to someone else. Do it inside of us, we pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at caseyhamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.